When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Phil Mackey. You called him the little guy. I don't know why you have to pick on his physical appearance. Huh? I don't. He's a good Here's looking guy. Judd Zolgad. Grumpy SOB. Mm-hmm. He's a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves him. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, Dave's got some questions for us. Lindsay Whalen joined about two and a half hours ago. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna play that back too later this hour. If you missed it, she was awesome. She was. We talked about championship celebrations and Ovi and uh, Alex Ovechkin. So she was she was awesome, and uh, we'll have that later on this hour. But let's get to some questions here with Dave. So on Friday after the Caps won the Cup, I asked you guys what you would do if you were members of the Minnesota Wild front office or whatever it was and won the Cup. And your answers were as predictable as they were boring. Judd, hey, I'm going to take it to Brett's and hang out and have a couple pints. And that was great fun. And Phil, I don't, I don't remember, remember what, what you said. I don't either. So it couldn't it have been so that good. boring. Gosh. Yeah. Well, now that you've seen how it's Can't done, not necessarily the day yeah. with the cup, but a full weekend with the cup as Ovi and the rest of the gang have had. Yep. Uh, taking it to the Nats game, going up to Georgetown, swimming in a... Uh, fountain and drinking every sort of alcohol you possibly can out of that celebrating. Let's redo it. You're members of the Minnesota Wild. You went on the road to win game five and bring the cup back and you get to celebrate with the fans for that first full weekend back in town. Redo. Where are you going? What are you doing? All right. I'm going to steal the the Caps idea to start off with. My fourth, th- my first thing is I'm going to a Twins game in a suite. It's a great idea, and I'm getting obliterated, blackout drunk. Except, you just get that photo, just you standing except, up there holding the cup right, above so, yes, your head exactly. during the action. Except I take a nap would you at take some the point cup, would to you, wake up. Would you take the cup to to bat and barrel? <laughs> I stopped by there again on Friday night. Did you guys know there's like a $59 steak on the menu there? Saw your note about yeah. that. Yeah, I'd like to talk about this at some point. I have a feeling it hasn't ever been ordered yet. I'm waiting for some. I would almost like to get it and charge the the company here for it just to see if it's any good at all. Well, I mean, there are let alone worth $60. It's not uncommon for there to be like $50, $60 cuts of meat sure. in a metropolitan in area. In like a Manny's or something. Yeah, so we... I'm just curious if Bat and Barrel can live up to the standards. Anyway. Well, your average ballpark item, it's probably double the price that it should be, right? So this would just be Hot like a dog, standard. like six bucks. Yeah. Okay, three bucks I can see in normal life. For sure. So you're looking at like a $30, you know, bacon, was it bacon wrap tenderloin or something like that, Absolutely right? Absolutely was, yes. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So how many, th- sorry to derail this question here, but just for fun, 
So you've been to Baton Barrel now multiple times I've been since there, swearing it off. I've been there twice to drink. So you drank again took, there this weekend? Yeah, I took the wife. You're becoming when a, is fan, a fan, aren't you? Would you say you're no, a fan? not really. No, nope, not really. Would, I resent it, but I still go. Would you say that your initial vitriol tour Baton Barrel was a little misguided, though? No, I'm still hurt by, by the fact. I would say it's like this. It's like my parents got divorced and I don't like my dad, but I'm forced to spend time We're with, forced with to, him. Forced to spend time. So I, well, they, they changed the club. Bars in they, there. they changed the club on me. So I, I don't really enjoy it, but I do it. Mm. I make the sacrifice. But sixty bucks, come on. Hold on, come on. You're not even willing Ten to admit ounces. at all that you were wrong on Batten Barrel from the beginning. I hate the name. I absolutely hate the name Batten Barrel. It's so pretentious. That mm. ah, dang it. So pretentious. Son of a gun. Yep. It was a nice effort, You Phil. guys aren't going to get that me That was to... a nice yep. effort. Yep. <laughs> That's like a three-week-old right that down. Yes! Phil was trying to yes, cash there. Yes! Oh, I'm sorry, Phil. And I had no idea it was I'm coming. I'm sorry. And I had no... That's completely on the up and up. Completely on the up and up. I believe the official language of the write that down prediction what? was... Why don't you find it? Judd will, Judd will, sometime before July 1st, Judd will... Apologize for his vitriol no. and and or will admit that he was wrong. His initial impression about Batten Barrel was wrong. That he actually finds it a fairly enjoyable place to go. No, his actions would suggest like we know that he's lying right now because his actions. No, I'm not lying. You're going into Batten Barrel because like, you enjoy it. It's like I'm the kid in a divorce. <laughs> I'm going there because because I have no alternative. I don't you're like no alternative. Like you're downtown Minneapolis. I just go. I'm at the Twins game. Oh yeah, there's nowhere else to drink. It's the best place to watch a game. It's it's the best place to watch a game from. Well, actually, though, I did go because I went to Barrio then and before we left, and then up to the uh, bar in uh, Centerfield. This as is well. BS. His actions are telling you he loves it. It's no, the best but, place to watch a game. But to write that down, still wrong. What we need to take in effect, I think, from this point on, in Judd predictions, and I've been, believe me, I, I, horrible at Judd Guilty. predictions this year. Judd is one of the great frauds in Twin Cities sports oh, media. It's, yes. And I don't think we're taking that into into account quite enough. Sid like you think? Oh God. I mean, Sid, Sid to shame. Sid. You're not gonna live as long. Sid's but. not a fraud. Sid's just Sid's just unapologetic about his homerism and him trying to build connections and squash you know other people. Miguel Sano should be fine. <laughs> I love your logic. It's the best place to watch a game. I've gone there multiple times now. Yeah, I don't now. like the fact they changed it, I'm so kind I don't of, like and it. And I'm kind of interested in the like, $60 you, cut of meat. I gave you the perfect explanation. And $60 is ridiculous. The $60 steak is ridiculous. So back to the question. Lower the price. Judd's going to start with the cup at a Twins suite. All right, so I, I drink excessively there at the Twins game. Uh, and then I leave the Twins game with my teammates, and I parade the cup through downtown. And I'm talking right through the streets. No, no sidewalk BS. Skyways. Skyways. <laughs> Hennepin Avenue Bridge, I cross it, and I don't cross it on the sides. I cross it in the middle, drunk with the cup. And the cops are basically behind me, guiding me. They're cheering you on. They're cheering me on. They love it. So we close that sucker down. We walk that thing to northeast. Then, so I go to bars. I go go to a bunch of bars, take it in. People get to take their picture with it. It's fantastic. But then I give you a little bit of a curveball here that the Capitals didn't think of. Because I want to take that sucker to St. Paul, too, right? There's some traffic out there. It's a big day. I don't want to be on, on a car ride. I rent a helicopter. Put the cup in the helicopter. I hold the cup out the helicopter as we're going, because I'm so confident and drunk. 
And we go to St. Paul. And, and then plunge to your death. Are you well, just leading to like, and a, then the cup a, might a go sacrifice, down too. like a human sacrifice no, with the Stanley Cup? No, because we land, on, we land on a helipad in St. Paul, and then we do the same thing in St. Paul. Parade that sucker through the streets, go to Tom Reed's, go to McGovern's. And so I hit two cities in one day. I love Judd making fun of Anthony Rizzo for stepping on uh, a tarp to catch a fly ball. <laughs> And anyone who puts themselves at risk by going in to uh, fix a washer hey, or dryer. This is, I'm confident but in my ability. General, I'm going to take the Stanley Cup into a helicopter I'm, and lean out the door. I'm confident I won't fall. I might be wrong, but I'm confident. And you already won it, so what the hell? Exactly right. I got my cup. All right, I'll give you a, a quicker answer. I would treat so I, I would treat the Stanley Cup for the full the full weekend as if the Stanley Cup were my wife or girlfriend. I would just replace <laughs> wife or girlfriend in all of the activities. That's right. All of the activities. It's some um, cup. Make me dinner. Yeah. <laughs> cup, move, come on, cup. And eventually, I just have to go up, get up, and. Why is this house so dirty, cup? We're talking hot tubbing. We're talking romantic dinner. We're talking now. Ovi already did this. Sleeping with I the cup. I was going to say he was holding that sucker. Oh, yeah, maybe put some lingerie on the cup. You never know. You're, One thing leads to another. I'm uncomfortable. A little smooth jazz in the background. Be my guest. I'm uncomfortable, and I'm. Never uncomfortable. Hey, Cup, want to join me in the shower? No? Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> That's beyond perpetual. I'll keep my T-shirt on. <laughs> oh. All right, go, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. I think it's fairly clear everyone in the D.C. area now knows, if they didn't already, Ovi is the guy to drink with. Ovi is the guy to party with. So let's keep it local. The one athlete in Minnesota sports current... That you want to party with right now? Hmm. Hmm. Mawa. Yeah. Just have a a wine cooler party with Joe Mawa. All you can drink milk booth. State fair. <laughs> you know what it is? It's probably Logan Morrison. I feel like Logan Morrison knows how to party. I think I feel like he's the type of guy. You know he he went through uh, Miami for a few years there. He's been known to maybe get a few cocktails in him and spout off on social media. Uh, I think, and, and just sort of the newness. There's not a there's not a lot of figures like that in the Twin Cities, right? Like Andrew Wiggins plays video games, and yeah, I can't think of any Wolves. Jimmy Jimmy Butler. Butler I mean, Jimmy Butler would be more of the clubbing scene, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say I would say probably Logan Morrison. I think Logan Morrison probably knows a few party tricks. <sighs> Matthew Dumba. I'm, I'm going Dumba. I believe that Dumba would know how to party. And I think he's probably a club guy, but I think he, he could be a bar guy as well. So I think as far as the potential to party, especially if it were with the cup, I think Matthew Dumba would be a good time. I'll pick him. Okay. IHOP going IHOB, International House of Burgers. But we now know that it's all a media thing, and they'll have fun with that, promoting their burgers for a couple weeks, and then go back to IHOP, the International House of Pancakes, where breakfast is king. No. Humans compete. We like rankings. Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. Breakfast power ranking. Wow. Everything breakfast right now. Do not stray into brunch any more than, than a mimosa. All right. Uh, I will start at number five. Very simple. Sunny side up egg. Little runny, delicious with toast. It's simple, but I'll start there at five. Okay. Go. Number four. 
Uh, weakness of mine, but they are delicious, a good breakfast potato. So if they make those potatoes right now, now the bad thing is they can get dried out and that's disappointing, but well, then you just glob ketchup on. Them I do. I do. But I prefer, I prefer not to have to a good breakfast potato is number four. You mean the chunk, not the hash brown? Uh, yes, because. Oh, one, two, number three, hash browns are next. Okay. Hash browns. A good breakfast potato is outstanding, but but what I love about a good pile of hash browns is, is you take the eggs and mix them up with the hash browns, and it's a delightful experience. So I separate those two, and I put hash browns number three. Number two. A good omelet has to be. A quality omelet is absolutely fantastic. Uh, and I, I like the fact that in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, there seems to be more creativity with what you can put in them and how you make them. So I would say number two would be an omelet. Number one. I'm going to tick you off here, but you know what it all washes down with? A fantastic beer. That's right. Breakfast beer. Breakfast beer is, <laughs> I can't go away from it. I got to go with it. Breakfast beer. Is this beer. a regular occurrence Breakfast for you? Breakfast beer. If we go out on the... The weekend, absolutely. Like, what time are we talking here? 11-ish or so. Well, that's okay. Yeah, I mean... 10.30. I mean, not 9, not 8. But if, if we if we go out... If, only be, not if because of out, you, only because sometimes I'm, the place I'm, I'm not asleep open at yet. that time. Exactly. <laughs> but no, if, if, if we go to uh, a quality brunch or something, or late breakfast, a good beer is number one. Okay. Go. Number four. I've got five items for four spots. There's a tie, actually, in here for me. But uh, number four... This used to be my favorite thing to make for like five or six years. I get into a phase, and it has to be made well. But egg in a hole, where you just you got the toast. I think Randy and Cottage Grove yeah. even brought this up, right? You, that. you cut a hole in the middle of the toast, and you put some butter on both sides, and you, so just to get some crisp factor, you fry it up with the egg in the middle, and it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, if you do it right, it can be one, two, number very tasty. three. Number three is actually a tie between two of my favorite breakfast sandwiches, uh, the McDonald's. Pretty much any McDonald's breakfast sandwich I'm in on. And that's a tie with the... Have you guys ever gone to Brugger's and done the the breakfast sandwich with your bagel of choice? Absolutely. And for me, I'll do the, the everything bagel. Several times. Incredible stuff. So you get the seasoning flavor of the bagel, and then you could even, if you wanted to do that, and then just get like a bagel or a half bagel and whatever cream cheese you want to put on it. It's orgasmic. Number Very good. two. Yep. Uh, number two would just be any sort of Bloody Mary bar where you can dictate the terms of the Bloody Mary. So they just pour the vodka in your glass and then you get to decide how much, like, I don't need celery in there. Okay. Just, I don't, hot don't, dogs don't, and stuff. Yeah. Don't yeah. fill it. Like I'll fill it with what I want to fill it with. Sometimes I want a beef stick or a piece of bacon, but I don't want you to dictate to me. Like, why is there a piece of celery in my Bloody Mary? Okay. That's I'm not going to eat it. It's just taking up space. Very fair. So let me fill the Bloody Mary up and then maybe on the side, I'll bring a separate plate for all the other stuff. It doesn't need to be in there anyways. Pickle, sometimes I'm in, sometimes I'm not. But I want to dictate. So Bloody Mary bomb. Number one. And then number one, it's uh, not just hash browns, but overly cooked, crispy hash browns. They've got to have some crisp to them. I love hash browns. A little shell on the outside, on the bottom, on the top. I love hash browns so, so much. those are the breakfast rankings. Solid. That's good. Dave has a look of dismay on his face yeah, after what's we wrong? just... No, actually, I was, I was dreaming of hash browns. Are you okay? Oh. <laughs> I was... <laughs> I was getting a little good. Hash Wait, checking on Dave here. He's, I mean, 
I'm not a runny egg guy, so I have some issues with the. You know, I the, love the, the runny egg. I'm uh, not a runny egg guy, and the fact that pancakes didn't make either of your list is a little disappointing. But hey, to each his own. I'm not Listen, we're hate. a couple carb conscious guys. Okay, yeah, look at us. Look what type of shade we're all about hash browns yeah. and breakfast taters. Yeah, huh? Okay, listen, we got to draw the line somewhere. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Are we ready? Let's get it on. On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is brought to you by Lakeview Pharmacy, now offering a low-cost alternative to Viagra. Go to lakeviewpharmacy.com to learn more. As much as we've had a winning homestand, um, you know, kind of feels like a roller coaster you know and that when you lose it's it's been tough because some of the games have felt winnable and that's kind of been the theme um, a lot of our losses feel like man we're just so close and just not finding ways but today uh, you know a little back and forth early but you know we had the big rally there twins now at 28 and 34 on the season after uh, they won one of three games over the weekend uh, to, to go uh, go back to our conversation Phil earlier with Derek about this I just, when it comes to the Twins, they are disappointing. And there's certain things that definitely concern you. But I just don't look at this team and say, oh boy, this is all bad. I look at this team and say, you got two prospects that are definitely not uh, living up to expectations at this point. Uh, But when you look at the Twins right now, and you look at the Wolves, with the Wolves, I see a sense of foreboding. With Tibbs... I look at the Wolves and say, okay, you've got some nice components, but I don't know how how the guy that runs this team is necessarily going to get it right. Mm-hmm. I look at the Twins and say, I still think that there's very much a plan in place here, and that if you are to uh, to dump off pieces uh, before this year is done, like Dozier and Lynn, that there's a very good chance that you're going to go into uh, 2019 with a very real possibility to, if not if not win in 2019, to have things at a point where it looks pretty positive. I think it's also worth that because I agree with you. I, th- I don't think it's doom and gloom. Uh, the Twins, by the way, would have to go, let's say 90 wins is the mark to win the division. Let's say Cleveland's, well, you're 11 and a half back of the wild card right now because Seattle and Houston are tied at 18 games over 500 and the Yankees and Red Sox are battling at 20 games over 500. So you're 11 and a half back of the wild card right now. You're five and a half back in your division. Let's say the Indians at least grab a couple bullpen guys and they get to 90. To get to 90, you'd have to go 62 and 32 the rest of the way. You'd have to play. What's the percentage on that? Ain't going to happen. Let's see here. So, so uh, you see, 62 62 divided by 94. You'd have to play 660 baseball the rest of the way. You have to win, obviously, two out of every three games. So, um, Sometimes I think people wonder, you guys are on the air for four hours a day, and you're talking about uh, all these teams, and you know, where do you just do you just you how do you prep for your show, and like where do you, some of your opinions come from? You know, are you watching games like fans? Are you and and the answer is what we talk about for four hours can come from a num- number of different places, but sometimes the things that we say and the things that like if we feel a certain way about a team. It comes from conversations behind the scenes or things that you hear, things that accumulate over time. And I can tell you, I won't speak for you, but I can tell you just when trying to line up my Timberwolves opinion and my Twins opinion over the past two years, ever since the new regimes took over, Mm -hmm. the way that I talk about those teams on the radio has a lot to do with things I hear behind the scenes, too. Even it just it seeps into my subconscious. Sure. 
I've had a chance to to see Derek Falvey and Thad Levine behind the scenes and hear stories about them behind the scenes that lead me to think, wow, these are a couple guys who are really, really good in the leadership department for the most part. Uh, they're not going to bat a thousand on their decisions, but I really like their decision making process, and I really like the things I'm hearing about them and the way that they speak about baseball and leadership behind the scenes. On the flip side, I hear the opposite about Tom Thibodeau. I hear combative. I hear recluse. I hear stubborn unwillingness to really put his arms around yeah. people and concepts. And the twins, the those tw- those drive my opinions. And the twins right now are run by guys who we really don't know. I think they're smart, but I'm curious to see where where they take things. But I I know that they they seemingly know what they're doing. When it comes to Tibbs, I know Tibbs. He's not changing. He he's not he is as a coach and executive he is who he is and because your hope for for the wolves would be that everybody progresses matures and changes and some of the players will and might but when it comes to Tibbs if I was to to ask you okay how much do you think Tibbs learned from the mistakes of this past year and how much is he now going to change things the answer in my mind is nothing he is who he is mm-hmm. he's a grinder he is a basketball lifer. And this is not a guy who I watch run this team and say, you know what he's going to do? He's going to start to alter things. I look at him and say, he is never going to change. And so so what you're seeing now is what you're going to get in 2018, 19, 19, 20. As long as he's here, it will run the exact same. Yeah. And it's, it's also, too, you look around the league and you see, let's, let's start with baseball. And you, you look at the types of front offices that are succeeding and it's analytically driven front offices with a mind for the human element, uh, looking to blend the two together. I know that people make fun of the word collaborative, but that's definitely a buzzword and it's a, and it's a, it's a thing that is working in baseball front offices now, or you're not just siloed off in your department. Like maybe, yeah. you know, the twins used to be for quite some time. It's, it's a lot of sort of blurring of the lines and you know, you're, you're just trying to tap into as many smart people and, and numbers and systems as possible. And the twins are doing that now. So I look at that and I say, okay, the twins are looking and, and they're, they're seeing what's working for some of the top teams in baseball and their front office is working their process in a similar fashion. Is it going to work in the long run? We'll find out. We'll see if they've got the right people in place. And then when I look in the NBA and I see the top, co- the, the top <laughs> coaches are, are mostly calm and sort of player-centric and they're very uh, cerebral the Steve Kerrs, the Brad Stevens, Quinn Snyder's a bit of a, bit of a god, uh, an odd duck. Mike D'Antoni, yeah. Greg Popovich, a little more grizzled, but very cerebral, a connector. And open right? to potential change. Yes. Yes, he is. Very uh, adaptive. And then I look at, so that's the blueprint that's working. And then I look at Tom Thibodeau, and it's the opposite. Okay, well, if you're not, if you're going against the grain of the blueprint that's winning, you better be an innovator or you better have something you can hang your hat on that tells me that this is the thing that people are going to start copying yes. in five years. Is Tom Thibodeau the type of personality or coach that you think other teams and organizations and other coaches stylistically are going to start to copy in three to five They're running years? running away from And that. I think the answer is no. My Absolutely opinion is, is the answer is no. They're still, if they come back with the same collection... And they come back with Andrew Wiggins and Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler. They're going to get to the playoffs. So I, I'm not saying that they're going to tank completely. They're going to get to the playoffs. The question is, 
are they getting as much out of what they have organizationally as they could if it were a Brad Stevens or somebody else? And I, the way it's being run, clearly no. The, the way it's being run right now with the Wolves, ultimately, you have a feeling it's going to train wreck. Ultimately, you have a feeling. You've had that feeling for thirty years. <laughs> yeah, true, true. It's an but, inherent feeling. But but this but this is interesting because they are a playoff team now and they have some good players, but. They have a a player who's about to become a max player next year who is underachieving at every turn. And the only the only way to change him is to say, can the coaching possibly help him and change him? And right now, with, with the way that things are run, the answer is absolutely not. He's going to stay the same until he probably leaves. And when he leaves, he might have a fighting chance to improve himself. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's We, we, were just, we started the show with this conversation because our friend Pat wrote a story on StarTribune.com, essentially saying, hey, I heard all this criticism of the Timberwolves all year long and people hating on Tom Thibodeau and Charles Barkley calling the Wolves the dumbest team in the NBA. Why is no one ripping on the Twins for being this but many they do games rip under on 500? The they absolutely do. Uh, people are just more passionate now, too, I think, about the There's an apathy yeah. surrounding baseball, whether it's pace of play or just the stagnant nature of the Twins and playoff failures. So let's take one call on this. Our guy Howard, 651-646-8255. What's up, Howard? Hey, guys. I told you before, and I didn't like tips before they hired him, and everyone was rah-rah. Mm-hmm. But this is still a player's league. There's not enough talent on this team to go anywhere. It's, you know, let's be realistic. Do you think D'Antoni is a good coach? I don't. I think they have the second-best talent in the West. And I think you... Or, or Jed, well, maybe not Jed, but you and probably a lot of other people, not, not, nothing personal, Jed, could coach Hurt. Golden State and win there. <laughs> Wait, I could coach Golden State. No, Howard. You, 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 and I, you and I are hockey guys. We, uh, <laughs> we, we want to see the elbows. My, we, want to see, we want to get the puck out of there. My dog could coach Golden it, State. But, but and it's, it's, it's not that Golden State Kerr's a great coach. I would disagree. I think he's a very average coach with so much talent on it, you can't but win. And that's what's destroyed the NBA. You can like the ratings. Brad Stevens is a great coach, but is there another good coach in the in the East? The second best coach was Dwayne Casey, and he got canned. I think Spolster is a good coach, but Spolster hasn't had players. Uh, last but players, but players aren't going to come here because of the, the coach, and that's the problem. If I, I will disagree with you, players aren't coming anywhere in the Midwest because of the cold and because of the tax base. And if you don't believe it, name me outside of LeBron going home, the last major free agent going to the Midwest. And you ain't going to find one. There is zero. The NBA has it messed up. Tell tell me the last major free agent. Well, name, like, where's your line for major free agents? Because there's free agents going all over the place in the NBA. Major free agent who you would say is top. A top player. Kevin Durant. Yeah, player. Kevin Durant went to. I got to think about. Thank you, Howard. No. I got to think about that. But like Kevin Durant went to West Coast. Yeah, I'm not like totally disagreeing with this. But what I will disagree with is to say that Mike D'Antoni isn't a great coach. I, you could say that he's not a great defensive coach. Mike D'Antoni has a revolutionary offensive system that the Suns implemented, that the Warriors sort of copied, and the Knicks screwed up on him. Yeah, and uh, and Mike D'Antoni has been able to squeeze a lot of life out of sort of peripheral. Role players on the Steve Kerr front. Okay, are there better coaches in league history and currently than Steve Kerr? Like, do I think Greg Popovich is a better coach than Steve Kerr? Probably, but keep in mind, this Golden State Warriors team—it it is the most talented team in the NBA. Almost anyone could take that team to at least one championship in four years. But they set the regular season wins record, and also they've made quick work out of LeBron James teams in uh, in most of these finals too. So, like, what? 
What more could Steve if, Kerr have done with sure. this collection is the question, I guess. If you are, Four in a row, I guess, would have been. If you are a really good player, though, and Butler and Cat come to you and say, join us, guess what? You're going to say, I'm not joining a team where, the, where your coach yells constantly. Tibbs is, if, Tibbs is at least a partial blocking point here. Because what free agent who is friends with Butler and Cat is going to say, you know what, that's a great idea. I'd love to go there and get screamed at constantly on the floor. And and so even if guys don't want to come here because of, of the Midwest and the cold, which I don't buy completely, but you're going to say, I'd much rather go to a place where my coach is not going to constantly scream. When I look around at Kerr and D'Antoni and Stevens and guys like that who who sit on, on the bench and actually coach the team yeah. and don't try and run the entire game. Well, but here, to, this is where I agree with Howard. Obviously, Minnesota is not nearly as appealing of a free agent destination as Los Angeles, organizationally or climate-wise. Mm-hmm. All the more reason to have all the other that's components what, the at top, yes. you know, at top notch, right? From ownership to coaching to front office, where it's despite the fact that the weather might not be advantageous, this is an organization you want to play we've for. Got, right? We've got apartments, we've got an arena attached to a skyway, attached to where we practice, and oh, by the way, we, we've got a really good coach. That would all be selling points. Right now, you can't say that. Right now, you basically can tell a guy, we got a guy who's basically who's going to scream for the entire game at you. Yeah. Lindsey Whalen next. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Just have to make a little time to do it. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey. It's the worst thing I do at ESPN. Judd Zolgad. I just want to drink and watch TV. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, Mackey and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Earlier today in the 9 o'clock hour, we caught up with our friend. She plays professional basketball at a very high level. You've heard of her, Lindsay Whalen. She also coaches the Gophers. That's not too bad. Yes, and they're off to a slow start, which we talked about. And uh, we got into a number of other things, including championship celebrations. So this is our conversation with Lindsay from the 9 o'clock. Lindsay, have you ever gone on like a 48-hour bender after winning the WNBA championship like Alex Ovechkin? No. No. What's, I have not. What's what's the most what's the most like fun celebration you've had after one of the titles? Probably when we went to Prince's house. Ooh. Um yeah. you know when remember we did that 2015? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so probably that. Um that was pretty cool. That was uh something that was uh you know, more or less a once in a lifetime type of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, of course it's fun, the champagne and everything, you know, doing all that. It's, I mean, that's like your first time getting to do that. That's really, um, something that's, um, that's awesome. And, and, you know, you kind of dream of doing it cause you always have seen these, um, all those, you know, pro teams do that. All those, um, you know, teams get to do that. And so when you finally break through and be able to, you know, do the champagne thing and all that. It's um, obviously it's a lot of fun because you know how much work went into it. Um, but no, I mean, I don't know. I'm so usually so tired after we won. <laughs> yeah. That it's like I'm kind of just a weakling. So it's like usually, you know, one of those nights it's, you know, pretty late and fun and everything. And then um, I don't know. I, the next usually couple nights it's like you're so tired. Like you don't even realize, like, you hit a wall no matter what at the end of the season. Right. You know, I mean, it's just like, so the wall that these guys are about to hit is going to be pretty big because because <laughs> it's one, it's, you know, it's a Stanley Cup and it's something that obviously a guy like Alex has, um, has been working for his whole life and you finally get get there. But then, I mean, man, once, you, once it kind of hits you, it takes a little while. He's still know? drunk, I, mean, I, I think, though. Well, those guys, I've been watching videos. Yeah. And I was watching in the airport. 
um, some videos, and they are definitely having fun. They're de- <laughs> they're definitely like, we won the championship. We're making the most of it, which is cool. I mean, you know, hey, um, you know, first time in that city since what somebody that somebody won, I think ninety two, twenty seven years, really long streak. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, hey, that's fun. I mean, um, you know, I actually have a family tie to Alex Ovechkin, so I was really cheering for. I was really cheering cheering hard for the Caps. Really. Are you related, yeah, or are, are you related, or is some, someone else? No, no, no. So, um, in 2013, when I played in Moscow, I played for Dynamo Moscow. Um, so Alex's brother Mike was our gen- is our general is the general manager of that club, and so and his mom Tatiana is the president and owner of the club. So okay. their family owns the team I played on. Wow. So. Um, he came out, came to probably like two or three of our games during one of those out of 2013. So one of the times when he, they lost, um, he, uh, he came to one of our games in, uh, in Moscow. So that was pretty sweet. It, but that's really, I mean, Tatiana's a, I think a two time, so Alex's mom, two or three time Olympian gold medalist for the Russian, um, national women's national team basketball. So, wow. um, they one of their big passions as a family is women's basketball. So I, have the signed jersey in the basement of from Alex, and um, so I'm a big, big Caps fan. They're they're my second favorite team of the Wild for sure. Very nice. Uh, how special is that that first one too? Just to get that one because I'm sure that they're all they're all fun and all great. But when you get yeah. that first championship, what's that like? Yeah, I mean that one's one where it's just like um, you never you don't you don't really know what you're doing yet, you know. So you don't know like what it means you don't know how to exactly push through um to actually win the last game or whatever you know so it's like when our first one in atlanta in 2011 we had a bunch of people that were injured and um you know just kind of had to fight through that game three out there to get the sweep but it's like you don't want to give them any chances you don't want to take any possible i mean anything that you could you know not win now that you're this close you know and so yeah, it was just obviously, um, you know, just something where you just got to try to, you know, push through. And then it is, it's, it's really, once you win that first one, then it's just like you want to, then you want to do that every season <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Lindsay, Lindsay Whalen with us here, Mackie and Judd. This is, uh, this is probably new for, for the Lynx and fans, the three and six start. What's your, what's your diagnosis for the slow start this season? Well, I think, um, you know, one, I think that, um, you know, six or seven on the road, I think this is one of the first times that um, that just the start of a season has kind of gotten us. And I think that um, I feel like we made some progress, honestly, over the last couple of weeks. Now, obviously, second half in Connecticut was not was not great. First half, we played really well. And then, um, you know, I think offensively, at times, we just kind of put a lot of pressure on our defense and they're the highest scoring, um, you know, team in the highest scoring team in the league right now. So, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of us, I think our starting five just needs to, we need to continue to work and continue to, you know, find our way to that form, that midseason form that we are used to. And, um, you know, I think, um, yeah, just, uh, you know, Maya's doing her thing. Sylvia's doing her thing. I think that, um, you know, my shooting percentage is a little bit down. I'm not sure where Moan and Brunson are, but I think that we can, I think we can, you know, do a little more to help those guys. And, um, you know, I think that that's probably one of the things that coach will focus on this week in practice and just everybody kind of rounding into form. We need, we need some of these practices, which I think will be really good. We had a busy, busy stretch and, 
Um, you know, just unfortunately, you look at those two games that we lost on buzzer beaters. So what would we be right now? Five and four, yeah. I think. And so those games actually really come back to hurt you when um, when you drop a game like the game at Connecticut or at L.A. When you're playing well, but, you you know, that night they were just better. You know, I still think by playoff time we'll be fine and we'll be right there with those teams. But then before you know it, the record is three and six, like you say, and none of us are accustomed to it. But, hey, this year's going to look different. This year's going to be a different journey. It always is. Um, it hasn't been this way since 2010 where we haven't, you know, we've always been – either 10 and 0 or 11 and 0 or last year 13 and 0. So it's different, but um, you know, it's no reason to, you know, not keep working hard or panic. Um, it's just all about the next day and, and trying to get better and better yourself and make yourself a better player for the team. Why, why is it, it, whether it's you guys or even the Warriors this year, you know, they finished several games out of the number one seed. It seems like the further you go into a dynasty, either the harder it becomes to post a yeah. big regular season record or just, why why is it so much harder the further you get into a dynasty um, to to replicate regular season success at that peak level? I think that one of the things for us is we've been beating these teams for seven years. Yeah, and so they've all gotten high draft picks. They've all been mad that we've come into their buildings and beat them by twenty every year for seven straight years. And so they've had a lot of time to. They're like, we're not losing. To, you know, everybody gets up for us. That's the way it's been for all these years. Is everybody gets up for us? Everybody wants to beat us because we've been the best team. So now this is year seven of this dynasty that we have, four and seven, or it was, um, yeah, four titles in however many years now. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I think one thing is, um, you know, our players are a little bit older, and the other teams have been gunning for us, and they're really gunning for us. And so I think it's, I think it's the type of thing that, um, you know, we all just need to yeah, do a little more, dig a little deeper, find what we need to do to, to be able to match those teams. Um, a team like Connecticut's never won before, so they're very hungry. You could see it the other, the other game. They remind me of us in 2011, and that's just what it is, you know. And so for us, as the, the veteran team and a team who's been through it, now we have to be able to come out and match even more what, they, what they're able to do on the court. Do players uh, start to press in when things aren't going well like this, or with a veteran team, does that not uh, take place as much? Do you think, Lindsay? Well, I mean, you want to you want to win, you want to do well. So there's, um, you know, I don't I don't think we're quite there yet. I, don't, I didn't feel. I mean, we just beat Washington on the same road trip. We had a great win, probably our best team win of the season. Um, and then two nights later, two days later, we didn't we didn't really have practice time, but we went and played Connecticut, and so it was just. I mean, honestly, this trip, it was, you know, I found a lot of positive in the fact of how we played against L.A., however we didn't win. And then the way we played against Washington and won, that's what you want, obviously, is to actually, you know, come up with the wins. That's what we get paid to do. But, I mean, I think overall it was, you know, the ending wasn't great on the road trip, but overall I feel like it was a positive road trip for us. And um, and I think it's something that we can take that blueprint from that Washington game. So I don't think, I don't feel anybody was pressing because it's not, you know, we were able to break our losing streak and we were able to have a good game. And I, I think everybody went into the Connecticut game, Connecticut game feeling really well. It just, uh, there was some crucial points where we missed some free throws and missed some shots that we normally make and uh, put a lot of pressure on our defense. And then second half, um, you know, they got it going and um, Shakina Strickland came in and hit some big shots that were, that were pretty big during a big momentum time. So Hopefully, you know, this week of practice, like I said, will be really good, and then we, we get back to it with uh, with a bunch of games. And so, um, you know, all you can do is, is try to prepare for, for this next week. Lindsay, one minute on the clock. It's Uh-oh. the it's the weekly 
Full court press. Full Fast court break. Press. It's the block shot with Lindsey Whalen. All right. Where does LeBron James wind up in free agency? Uh, <laughs> LA. LA, I think. LA or Houston. Oh, Houston would be so fun. Man. Yeah. Two parter, your favorite player on the Warriors and your least favorite player on the Warriors. <laughs> Favorite player in the Warriors, probably, um, I would probably say Sean Livingston. And my least favorite is Draymond Green. Yeah. I think most people would say that about Draymond Green. Sean Livingston, by the way, came back from one of the most devastating knee injuries in the history of sports Mm -hmm. and played 10 years. Yeah. He's 11 for 11. He just does his role. He knows what to do. He's like just so sneaky good in that team. Right. Uh, So people know your husband is one of the best golfers in the state. What's your golf handicap? Um, I play bogey golf, so 20, 18, 20. Keep up. Okay. Least. Yeah, I I can kind of keep up. Your least favorite question that you get from the media. Um, what do you what do you think is the problem with you guys' slow start? <laughs> Guilty as charged. Yeah. Okay yes. then. Uh, what would you if you took the Stanley Cup around for a day? What substance or liquid would you be most excited to put into it? <laughs> this is easy. Well, now that I'm a coach of the college college university, I would say um, sparkling water and a lime. San Pellegrino, sparkling water. Yeah. Exactly. So, sparkling water, San Pellegrino, or uh, Lacroix berry flavored water in the uh, in the Stanley Cup Trophy, and I'd bring it out to good old Hutchinson H Town. Right on, fair enough. All right, it's Lindsey Whalen with the or Bud fast Light break or Bud Light, Lindsey. Yeah. No. Nope. <laughs> Set a good example for those kids. Oh, uh, all right. Uh, good luck. Good luck getting your season back on track, Lindsay. And thank we'll be guys. sure to ask you about it if you don't next week. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with the team, thank Lindsay? You guys. All right. Bye. Lindsay Whalen. So yep. Uh, she's awesome. Oh, she is good. She's a good sport. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studio. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That is good news. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. One of the most absurd things you can do in sports media. On 1500 ESPN. Ever dream of playing at U.S. Bank Stadium? We've got your chance. Sign your team up now to participate in United Health Group's Touch of Football Flag Football Tournament Saturday, September 8th. Flag football teams will take over U.S. Bank Stadium for this one-day six-on-six tournament all to raise money for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Team spots are selling out fast. Get yourself and your team signed up now. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Well played game, fought game, and lots of emotion, obviously, and energy in the stadium. And... uh, Really proud of our guys. Uh, they've competed all year long. And nothing to hang our hats about. And going on the road and playing in environments like this in the NCAA tournament, uh, you know, it's difficult. The crowd it has a big influence on the game, in my opinion. And, and so that's why the ability to play at home and being good enough to play at home, I think, is critical if you're trying to advance here and get to the College World Series. John Anderson, quick shout out to Go for Baseball. That was a that was a good run. Great season. Best run they've had in 41 years, 1977. Uh-huh. I stayed up late. I kept telling myself Saturday night because it was like a four-hour game because college baseball. For, and not to mention the home plate umpire was just, it was a struggle fest. Just when missing calls on the corners. Call a thing, and, right? It sounded awful. Oh, I didn't watch it. 
Yeah, I listened was, to it, and, and it sounded brutal. Oh, okay. I was like, okay. No, yeah, it, sound, it sounded like he was just ab- absolutely brutal. Uh, it was bad. Oh, was Mike Grimm complaining about officiating in baseball, too? <laughs> I don't even <laughs> think Grimmer, uh, Grimmer complained that much. It was just he kept saying, oh, there's uh well, we don't really know what a striker ball is now. <laughs> oh, and he I was being Grimmer. very sincere, though. He was being very sincere. He's like, I'm not sure what a striker ball is at this point. There aren't many better things than drive-by critical play-by-play grim. Where <laughs> it's passive-aggressive rip yep, jobs. It's and, wonderful. And, and there's a foul under the hoop, no call. And we'll yep, get, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Basketball, that's very true. <laughs> and Leitner drops back to pass, and there's a face mask, uncalled, of course, and he throws <laughs> the ball down the field. And it's intercepted. And there's a pitch. Looks like a strike, and uh, apparently not. Okay, then. Yeah, he was perplexed. Yeah, but they had so the, the the decision the Gophers had to make on Saturday night. It's best two out of three. They're already down one game to nothing because Luke Heimlich is amazing, and they just got snowed over on Friday night. So they have to win Saturday night to get to Sunday. And their starting pitcher gets hit around a little bit early. Um, actually, it was it was a pretty good performance. It was like two, he put some base runners on. It was two runs through five innings. And they brought on Max Meyer, their stud freshman. Dude throws an untouchable slider. He's got major league stuff. He throws low 90s already. Like, he has major league caliber stuff, and he's probably going to be a high draft pick at some point. But he's been a closer all year with starting experience in high school and will be a starter at some point. So not your classic 30 pitches and done. But he's but, not stretched out necessarily right now. Yeah. So they he did a great job, but they had him pitch basically – you know, half the game into his 85th pitch or 90th pitch, and then they have to make a decision: do we keep him in? Do they not? They took him out, right? And they gave up three runs in the ninth, and that's too bad. But still, a great happens, year for him. But it was an awesome year for Gopher baseball. So shout out to them. We're back tomorrow, and what do we got tomorrow? Jason Pecking Stark, order, Jason Stark, and whatever else we want to come up with tomorrow. Mackie and Judge Show page for all of our on-demand stuff. See you guys.